Jarrah admitted that afterwards when he said we came here. We came here to frustrate Leeds. <laughs> what the fuck sort of a sentence is that? They lost 5-2 in their last game against Brentford. This is Paul McGrath. You're listening to the Villa Podcast. That morning sky gave me a look. So I left while you were sleeping. That's all it took. 90 minutes into another drab encounter that was sprinkled with a bit of aggression that Sky Sports seemed to be genuinely crying about the whole way through the match. It was like they were insulted having they watch a, a, a bunch of players, you know, come together and you know have a bit of argy-bargy, but nothing really happened in that match. Apart from that, I was saying, thank Christ for these fouls and for this bit of aggression because there was nothing else to go on, but... 90 minutes into it, into another Aston Villa game is the best way of describing it. <laughs> Ollie, <laughs> Ollie Watkins goes in down the left. Uh, Emmy Buendia comes on, of course, puts the player through, which is which is what he does when he when he gets a chance to play. And he goes down the left. And if you look at it back, like Ollie Watkins, let's get this out here straight away. Ollie Watkins should have fucking scored today at some stage, but this one wasn't as big a chance as he had for <laughs> throughout the rest of the game. It was if you freeze frame where he's actually picking up the ball. He's a lot. He's inside the six yard box. Outside the six yard box, he's basically within six meters, and Melier is right out on him, about one and a half, two meters tops away from him. The angle is narrow. Doesn't have a lot to shoot at. If he roofs it, he might get it, but that's it, really. Anyway, look, you know, we'll talk about Ollie Watkins later. <laughs> he probably should have scored, could have scored there, but Steven Gerrard turned around, and I don't know if you remember his reaction. It was. Honestly, it, it, it makes me a little bit physically sick to think of a manager reacting like that to one of his players. And a player a player who gives him everything. You know, if we can talk about Ollie Watkins all we want, but one thing that can never be questioned about Ollie Watkins is his honesty and his effort and giving every last drop for the full game, every game when he's isolated for most of it. And Gerard turns around and it's it's, it's a camera it's a camera move that he's doing, really. He's absolutely disgusted. He's cursing. He's stomping his feet, literally stomping his feet. And basically, it was a whole show of what more can I do? You know, like, what, what more could I have done to influence this match? Well, I'll tell you what you could have done, Stephen. Somewhere along the last year, you could have coached these players. You could have, you could have created and picked a team that will have more chances in games, better chances in games. You could have done something in this specific match, like way before he did. Leeds got a man sent off in the 48th minute, and he didn't react. He didn't make an attacking substitute until the 82nd minute. He he did nothing but once again say, I hope these boys go out and score. And that's exactly what he said afterwards as well. Like we predicted exactly what he would say. We had enough chances we need killers like you know to some extent that's that's basically what he said again you know and he'll say it's on me it's on my staff but basically what he's saying is it's on those boys to fucking score because i can't do anything else <laughs> yeah jared is jared's raging because time is running out and not just in this game look, look we, we, we were <laughs> we were dreadful like lead, leads were worse and the fact that we don't do anything against them was the most irritating thing i mean we ended up with quite a few chances but all from off the cuff, through balls, lofted crosses, dreadful defending, melee. Like it was all, <laughs> it was all unconnected to how Gerard thought this game was going to go. Like we had Christian Perslow speaking to the Aston Villa supporters trust on Thursday or Friday, 
saying that the, the style of play was very much a work in progress. I mean, the arrogance of that. You're speaking to a fan group, Christian. Fans watch every game. Yeah. We know exactly where this team is at. And implicit in that as well is the idea the idea that we have to have more patience. More patience. Like we're just we're just letting two seasons drift by. Like, yeah. like hopefully I'll be compass meant this for about 70 seasons. We're we're just we're just letting three percent of my football watching life drift by. Three percent if I'm lucky. And, and seeing as I've ended up supporting Aston Villa, I'm not that sure that I am lucky, Conan. And just and just for the absolute avoidance of doubt as well. Let me explain what a work in progress means, Christian. It, it means that there's an unrealized goal, a vision that's being progressed towards. What fucking vision does Steven Gerrard have? He's, he's walking around in a sandstorm. He can't see a fucking thing. And, you know, when, Pope, when Pope Julius was sneaking in to have a look at the Sistine Chapel, it, like, each of those scenes were, were being painted. Like, even before that, he could see he could see the sketch of the ceiling, the concept drawings, the scaffolding going up, the outline, the paint getting thicker and more vibrant, the detail emerging. Like if he, if he snuck on Stephen Gerrard, he would have just seen a load of dicks on the ceiling. <laughs> like, like maybe, maybe a Stevie was here. Like what the hell is this? Is this what you've been doing for the last year? What's that? Like is, is that a, blo- a block capital S using only straight lines? What the fuck have you been doing in here for the last year? <laughs> that actually, um, it feels very personal because, as you know, my nickname in school was Scon, and that's <laughs> that's exactly how I drew the S every time. I was I was spray painting my name anywhere, but like you're so right. This is the thing, right? Because I was trying to remove myself. I'm aware that we record these podcasts straight after the game. You know, so it very much is unfiltered. It's it's fresh you know in the worst possible way a lot of the time and I, I exactly was to, like Aston Villa aren't fucking <laughs> rotten to the core <laughs> and I was trying to remove myself you know what would I think of this tomorrow you know and in, on one hand you would look at that and think you know we did have enough chances to score if, if I was Stephen Gerrard I probably would think that you know there was a couple of chances and you're so right they just fell they were parries they, it, there was a mistake it was shit defending they just broke out to our players and they should have scored twice, maybe. I think their expected goals was just over two, which is which is a lot for expected goals, but not against this team who had given up trying to play football in the 48th minute. Like they just surrendered. Like these heard the celebrations of the Leeds fans at the end. Like that, that was a in your face. You couldn't score against us <laughs> with, with 10 men. But the thing is, if if we were playing well, if we had any discernible style and uh, and progress and we could see where it was going and we would all be a lot more forgiven of this and we would all say jesus they should have taken a couple of those chances like fans aren't stupid and like, you're right we're watching we're like for our own misery we are watching every minute of these games and it's really boring we know that like there's <laughs> in the life out of a lot of us somebody just tweeted us just afterwards and just said i feel tired and, uh, you know, <laughs> it was such a an underwhelming you know not hyperbole way of putting it and it's it's so bang on it's just like yeah i think we all do as well but if like people can bring in context when the context there like so a villa were actually going somewhere everybody would be behind his operation and say that's a point away to lead when we should have when we should have won but once again it's not like we did anything to actually put ourselves in that position yet again 
Well, exactly, yeah. And that, that, that really is it. It's like you could put it up with this performance if there were all our performances building for something. Even if we played this badly, so long as there's something going on around us, he's like, geez, that was an odd performance for us. A performance we still should have won. So that's really irritating. We come yeah. on here and we fucking batter Watkins into the ground for missing yeah. all those chances. But it's not. This is just. This is a way for Steven Gerrard to paper over the fucking the dicks on his ceiling. <laughs> this is. This is just him, like, you know, oh, we had we had whatever it was, 12 shots from inside the box. Stephen, let's get fucking real about what those shots were and let's get real about how those chances arrived. Yeah. Yeah, we'll talk about some John McGinn shots later on. <laughs> Speaking of, like, there's a way to ramp up the stats. John McGinn gets the ball. Have a, have a, have a shot, why not? Um, I mean, and we're talking about we did this against 10 men. It wasn't even through our own doing that we brought leads down to... Uh, uh, a lesser man like Sinistera yet second yellow card I think this is one of the worst second yellows I've seen I mean <laughs> what is he trying to stop there Douglas Douglas Louise is just lumping the ball up the pitch and he's decided he cannot risk 48 minutes into the match 48 minutes of evidence that he could risk he can't risk four Leeds defenders going up for another header of Ollie Watkins 30 yards out and he feels like he has to stop this lump up the pitch from, from Douglas Louise. Like, Ollie Watkins, we know the camera didn't get the pan to the right, but we know he was on his own. We know Leon Bailey would have been watching him from the corner flag. Like, was, what was he doing? What a moment of madness. Yeah, like, I, I've used brushes with higher IQs. I mean, what was he playing at? <laughs> like, when you're on a yellow card, there are some things that you shouldn't do. For example, don't commit blatant yellow card offences, especially in a bad-tempered game like that. I mean, yeah. Stuart Atwell was fucking sick of the players at that stage. Like, not only did he have to watch that dreadful game, everyone involved in it was being a cunt. I mean, and he was only ever going to be all too happy to flash a red card at some brain-dead moron. Like, yeah. imagine being on a yellow card in that game and sticking your foot out to block Villa yet again, dinking a pointless ball forward. I mean, it was unbelievable. But sure, like the fucking spare man was as relevant as a fart in a hurricane. It made no difference to the game at all. I think like maybe maybe you could say we had a bit more pointless possession afterwards. <laughs> yeah, yeah. But I don't think our manager realised that either. And we just kept everything very much the same until until we really went balls out for the last seven minutes. Um, the only other talking point such was this game was... <sighs> Tyrone Mings going down. I mean, Tyrone Mings remembers that everything is looked at. So when he feels that pull on his shirt, he goes down thinking, yep, these boys are going to get caught. The only problem there is that Tyrone Mings forgets that everything is looked at. <laughs> <laughs> and he instigates it. He pulls the shirt first. So like as soon as VAR, like it was a very quick VAR check. So I'm sure once they saw that, they thought, ah, not, we're not looking at this because then everyone's going to get into a tit-for-tat battle and how far are you going back? And yeah. Like, I don't, I don't, it wasn't a penalty, and Mings obviously forgot that. Is Stuart Atwell block booked for Villa Leeds games as well? Like, he seems to be <laughs> reserved for these matches. Yeah, he's the last fucking lad you want as well whenever Leeds are on the counter attack. <laughs> Worked out pretty well today, though, because he was so pissed off at having to watch such a boring affair, obviously. <laughs> but yeah, like, to throw Mings, what are you, what are you playing at? <laughs> so get up, this is ridiculous. And the, the annoying thing about that is it's, it's not just the, the dive to the ground. Let the Leeds players foil you. They're, they're all at sea here. They can't defend for shit. Let them foil you. You don't have to instigate anything. You don't have yeah. to get involved. Just be on the pitch. Yeah. The one thing I'll, I'll say about Ash, you that, Will, you know he's a hero of mine, um, <laughs> is do you know when there's a bit of argy-bargy in the box 
for a set piece and the referee has to intervene eventually. Mm. I hate that because almost always then, as soon as that set piece is taken, the ref blows the foul. Mm. He's, he's basically told him by intervening initially, he's told him like, this isn't going anywhere now because I'm looking at the hold and you're not going to catch me. And as soon as I see anything else, it's 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 a free. Uh, Stuart Atwell didn't do that. Like such a low bar for Premier League referees, but <laughs> <laughs> the corners were taken and I was there thinking, oh, here we go. And nothing happened. The ball just came in, and, and yeah, nothing happened. I looked the ball. <laughs> yeah. All right, we'll leave that there, and we'll go to WhatsApp pointers. When you're ready to pop the question, the last thing you want to do is second guess the ring. At BlueNile.com, you can design a one-of-a-kind ring with the ease and convenience of shopping online. Choose your diamond and setting. When you find the one, you'll get it delivered right to your door. Go to BlueNile.com and use promo code LISTEN to get $50 off your purchase of $500 or more. That's code LISTEN at BlueNile.com for $50 off your purchase. BlueNile.com, code LISTEN. Planning for your next trip? Elevate your travel style with Quince. Quince has all the jet-setting essentials you'll want for your next getaway, like European linen, premium luggage options, buttery soft Italian leather bags, and so much more and is all priced at 50 to 80% less than similar brands. Plus, Quince only works with factories that use safe and ethical manufacturing practices. Pack your bags with high-quality essentials you'll be wearing for vacations to come with Quince. Go to quince.com pack for free shipping and 365-day returns. Burroughs Furniture is built for the way you live. From ensuring easy assembly and disassembly to honoring highly requested new colors for their award-winning seating, they always have their customers in mind. Their modular seating is made out of durable materials to last and grow with you. And with Burrow, you always get fast, free shipping. Get up to 60% off during Burrow's Memorial Day sale at Burrow.com slash ACAST. That's Burrow.com slash ACAST. Burrow.com slash ACAST. Some fines to get over and done with first before we move on. Augustinson, welcome to Aston Villa. Welcome to the Villa podcast. A foul on a player with his back to the pitch on the sideline going nowhere. And our new left back goes in and gets a yellow card for it as well. Not just a pointless foul. Commits a yellow card offence. Uh, what did you think of him though before he went to half injured? I mean, <laughs> talk, about, talk about cursed signings. Like, Villa have... I haven't signed that many players, as we know. It's probably another podcast worth. <laughs> they haven't signed many recently, but Diego Carlos, new signing, bang, gets injured. Bubakar Kamara, new signing, bang, gets injured. Augustinson comes in, first game, injured. I mean, if I was Jan Bednarek coming in there, <laughs> <laughs> I would have been like, oh, you're all right, mate. I think, uh, I think you should stick on Callum Chambers. <laughs> Uh, I thought he, he was grand. He didn't do much in the game. Very little happened in the game, to be fair, while he was on the pitch. The foul was, yeah, it was stupid. I mean, once once you go in there with your with your feet up like that, you're going to get booked. So all he had to do there, if he wanted to go in, wanted to get, let the guy know that he was there, wanted to make sure he didn't go past him, stretch your foot out to the right, to the side, maybe block the pass. But if you're de- determined to make contact, just push him in the back, just yeah. run through him. You're not going to get booked for that. Yeah, do the mings just run through him and run back? Exactly. <laughs> yeah. yeah, no, I thought he was solid. Like, I was sort of enjoying watching a new player. There's nothing else to watch, really. And uh, one tactical thing that I could see that, that they were trying to implement was just, like, let's, let's keep a flat back forward this time. And, you know, you boys just defend. And, yeah, I thought he, he did that pretty well when he was on. 
Anyway, it's, like I've mentioned the the words low bar already. I mean, there we are. We've got a we've got a left back, got a left back willing to stand at left back and defend. Um, Coutinho fine for a corner, just going straight out of play. A new fine for Ollie Watkins. I mean, standing behind the offside line as the free kick is being taken. Now I know, like we we know why people do that because they assume that the line will then drop back and you know he'll be in a position then and he'll be undetected by defenders, but. When they don't drop back, you're offside. Get get back online. You're watching the line and you're watching Coutinho take a free kick. And you know, no, like you can see it. You can see the line and you can see the contact with the ball. You know you're offside. He didn't score anyway, he missed. Yeah, it, it was pathetic, both the miss and the offside. I mean, he's, he's so far offside that it's really irritating and probably probably makes a bit more sense to praise Leeds' defensive line. But you're right, he's so... He's so far offside that he, that he shouldn't get involved or he should pop back in because he's seen now Leeds defend as well. And the, the miss is so glaring after that as well that that's why a lot of people are in the, the Watkins out camp. <laughs> you're, you're, you're four yards out. I'd be lumping praise on Cons or Mings for getting that up over the bar. So, And this will be the kindest thing I end up saying about Ollie Watkins today. It, it's an impressive miss. <laughs> yeah, it was harder, harder to miss than it was to score. Well, let's um let's get into WhatsApp on you. So <laughs> Jesse Marsh was on after the game and he, he was slagging Villa, basically. How grim is this? He was slagging Villa for time wasting in a game that Villa had the extra man. He said Villa slows the game down. That's two or three teams in a row we've had here. They want to throw the ball away, take a minute and a goal kick. We need some help to manage this. Our fans don't come here to watch a snail's pace match. <laughs> they should know when Villa are coming to town, that's what you're going to get. But the first WhatsApp wins is Stephen Gerrard can't even throw the ball five meters, or <laughs> <laughs> or he doesn't want to. It's it's a throwing, and I I think this was mostly irritating because Martinez was being booed in the ninth minute for taking so long for a kick, and then he kicks it to the left. It gets headed out by a Leeds player. Villa get a throw in, like you know, like that's Villa's tactic. Like let's get up to the pitch. We're up, we're up at the halfway point now. What can we do? And Augustinson standing there waiting for his manager. Like so it's not even like it's a Leeds player that he's not giving the ball to. His left back is there saying, Give me the ball, get this get this into play. And he just lets it roll off his fingers and drop. And <laughs> I was like, is he trying to time waste as well? Like this 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 must be an instruction because Martin has was dragging his arse with some of those I, I I could understand it, you know, when you're playing Man City or somebody decent when you need a bit of a reprieve. But it wasn't like we were under loads of pressure or anything. Villa, when they had the ball back there, they, they were taking their time. I think Jesse Marsh is right in that sense. And there was a stage in the second half. And I think, I don't know if it was at Rodrigo. We see Kanza trying to get the ball, but very half-heartedly trying to get the ball off him for a throw-in on the right-hand side this time. And Rodrigo sort of walks around him and throws it away. And the commentator said, you know, it'll suit Leeds to disrupt the rhythm of the game. I thought it'll suit Villa. Like, this is two teams that are very happy with what's going on right now. They just can't say to each other because Jesse Marsh isn't on the sideline. They can't say, you know, well, we just back off here and, you know, we're all happy with another. <laughs> I'm trying to get through a World Cup group. Yeah, <laughs> yeah. It, was, it, was, it was fucking pathetic. It is absolutely is what we were trying to say. Gerard admitted that afterwards when he said we came here. We came here to frustrate Leeds. <laughs> What the fuck sort of a sentence is that? They lost 5-2 in their last game <laughs> against Brentford. Yeah. And we're going there to the to frustrate them. And this is this is the thing that's ultimately going to be Stephen Gerrard's downfall. 
our players are infinitely better than Leeds United's and we're going there to frustrate them. But why are we doing that? Because Stephen Gerrard recognises that Jesse March has Leeds playing in a certain way. He set up his team to play in an aggressive front foot manner that Stephen Gerrard wants to try to frustrate because he set his team up to do fuck all else. <laughs> and maybe, look, maybe that is his tactic. Like his tactics will not be on, they won't be detected by opposition managers. So- <laughs> So they won't be able to work Aston Villa out the way he can see exactly what they're doing and then he can set up a plan accordingly. <laughs> Second WhatsApp winch. What does Bailey think he's getting out of his left foot? <laughs> because I actually think his right foot might be better. And I'm not even saying that his right foot's brilliant, but it looks it looks better at the minute. A pound for pound, he's getting more from his right foot than he's getting on his left. It's like, considering how much he wants to come on to that left and he doesn't do much of it. Yeah, it's 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 so glaring, in fact, that whenever he tries to get it onto his left and the avenue's blocked down, because every fucking fullback in the country knows exactly what he's going to do. He's going to turn into the left. So they just have to stand slightly further on field, and then he's fucked. And what he'll do instead is start sprinting back towards Ashley Young. Like he, he, he booted the ball off Doggy, who, to be fair, couldn't possibly have been expecting Bailey to play a through ball down the line to Sinistera. And then when he picked it back up from the rebound, he played a through ball down the line to fucking Sinistera. It was unbelievable. The first minute of the game, he went running back down the line towards his own goals. And it must have been so frustrating that the ref stopped him in his pursuit of bundling the ball back to Ashley Young after he fucking committed a foul. Because he then booted the ball away like a child. And he should have been booted for it. He actually lost the ball three times running back towards Ashley Young. I'm like, what fucking direction did he think we were playing him? <laughs> Yeah, it was a uh, it was another strange performance from Leon Bailey. I mean, like, it, was, that, it, it wasn't storm. it wasn't strange, Connor. It was fucking pathetic. I mean, someone someone needs to ask Leon Bailey wants what he wants to be when he grows up because it's 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 not a professional footballer. Like, I I think his stepdad has forced him down this path. Like he's trying to live vicariously through him, and it's fucking horrible watching it. It's like watching those Waynes parading around at a beauty pageant. Like Craig Butler just sitting there at the age of a catwalk with a fucking a fag hanging out of his lip and a belly hanging over his belt like he's he's fucking he's fucking wrecked because he's up all night teaching teaching little leon the steps that won him the under five district heats back in 72 those moves don't work anymore leon stop listening to craig yeah and that habit he has of of going in the wrong direction i mean at least i never thought i would say this at least with bertrand Terori, when he did it he tried to chop the ball 30 yards inside and then fucking sprint <laughs> Rent after it, and then when he got there, like fuck knows what was happening. Then he was playing a ball that nobody was was prepared for, and it could have gone any direction. But uh, at least he had a semblance of a plan. Like he was <laughs> he was running the wrong direction to then chop inside, which was also the wrong direction. But we were moving, we were doing something. Imagine comparing a winger unfavorably to Bertrand Terori a year after, or <laughs> a, a year further down this project. Why have we downgraded from Bertrand Terori? <laughs> Uh, third WhatsApp winch. I hope Leeds fans get a chance to look back at all those, all those lazy, pointless kicks. They were just kicks that they thought they were being hard done with. Like we, we would say, we would say if like I'm not afraid here to say the Villa was shite. Leeds were better. Like that is not a problem. But Jesus, I, I felt bad for Stuart Atwell. I really hope he doesn't come away. Not just because he's a hero of mine. I just hope he doesn't come away thinking. Jeez, was I bad there? Because the way the fans were reacting, like Jesus, everything he called, it was pretty much bang on. 
Yeah, and I would like they were sarcastically cheering your hero giving free kicks against Aston Villa as well. I would have fucking loved if Stuart Atwell was in a position to be able to give some free kicks against Aston Villa. <laughs> if it looked like we were fucking trying to put in tackles every once in a while. <laughs> yeah. The fourth WhatsApp point. I mean, you think John McGinn would start with hitting the target and, you know, <laughs> just, just hit it any which way and then work backwards from there. Like it's, why has he thought like why does he think I need to go straight to the stanchion I need to go straight to the postage stamp like it hasn't well, where's he gotten that into his head like every, like every single shot just fizzes wide and he, he looks like he, he's just done something amazing yeah and, he, and he's putting so much power in it as well like you, you have to compromise you have to build up to it you can't just go straight to smashing it straight into the top corner yeah. like you have to you have to do this in increments start bending it into the top corner first then maybe start adding a bit of power on afterwards I mean has McGinn scored since he scored that fucking screamer of a volley into the top corner <laughs> yeah. yeah it's like ever since he's been trying to hit that exact same shot and it either goes 50 yards over the bar or just gets dragged horribly wide the that Daniel on Twitter actually got in touch with us to say are are Villa's players trying to get Gerard sacked? He said even on radio commentary they're getting exasperated about the time wasting and the lack of urgency from them. Yeah, it, like it, 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 it's it's really hard to tell because if the players are trying to get him sacked, it's because he's made them play like this for so long up to this point. So it's hard to tell where the where the cutoff point is. But <laughs> switching over to the players doing this intentionally to get him sacked. Yeah, yeah, they wouldn't be doing anything different yeah, from how he wants them to play. Anyway, we'll leave that there and we'll go into the uh, large category after this. We're going to start with the thoughts of the Villa podcast. Maybe it was just because I really didn't want to fucking lose to Leeds United. The lifting up of Patrick Bamford with one hand, I did enjoy that because Patrick Bamford is an unlikable character and he's probably been a bit of a twat to Tyrone Mings all game. He's nothing like that either, is he? He's a real. He's, like if you. He's an uh, unlikable character. Like one of he's put on a foot. Patrick Bamford can't skin you. It's, it's not. It's not. He's not that type of player. It's not any game. Somebody put on a foot there. I felt all the pain. I imagine I probably sound as much of a, a biased, one-eyed idiot. Block the fucking shot. It was a fucking disaster. I did quite enjoy the hopelessness of their their grief with it, though, as well. Because they're like, not that it fucking mattered anyway. Sure, we were beaten anyway. Not that it fucking mattered anyway. Villa was shite. Like, there's, there's nothing but space. Leeds are going to be spanked a few times this season. Make no mistake about that. I mean... They're, they're really well coached, they're really aggressive, they're really adventurous, but the players are shit. <laughs> the, the key line is that we're, we're well coached um, and very aggressive, but our players are shit. They're not either. They're not shit. I mean, that was great. That did have everything. Only downside, those brummy accents, though. <laughs> really go through you, don't they? Let's start with the Ronnie Rossenthal Award, or I think as you called it, just off air there, the, the Watkins meter, or what the fuck do you, the, the Rossenthal Award? <laughs> <laughs> the Watkins meter. So first nomination, Ollie Watkins. <laughs> His uh, left foot, Coutinho interception, plays it 
plays it to Watkins. It's a good turn. He uses his arse, uses his back. He's strong like a. I like Ollie Watkins planting himself because people aren't going to get through him. So he just lets the tackle hit off his back and then away he goes. Takes his time to get going and he goes. Third touch isn't great, is it? Like he's, he's driving forward and just a third one. Like he just takes him away from the net when it doesn't have to. Narrows his angle. Still gets a decent shot. Away of his left foot. Uh, Millier spills it, obviously. Um, <laughs> <laughs> and meanwhile, Philip Coutinho was just sliding in for some reason. And if he didn't, I don't know if he fell. I don't know if he thought, this is what I'll do. He seemed to be sliding a lot. There was a, there was a stage down the right-hand side where he was going to pass it back to the left back and he just slid into it and hit it as if he was about to be tackled. There was nobody around him. Um, anyway, he slides into it and he just gives it straight back to Millier for a second second bite. Yeah, yeah, you're right. His touch is, it takes him too wide. It's it's, it's not exactly an uncommon trait of Ollie's, so to be fair, and there's not enough power in the shot after that. But yeah, what in the name of God is Phil doing? He does slide in. He's sliding in to try and be there if Watkins pulls it back. But Phil, like, Melier is the goalkeeper here. Get ready. You're getting a bite of this. You're, you're getting the whole fucking apple. Melier has a bit of dent in it. He's just wiped the clean feet. I fucking eat it up. <laughs> yeah, yeah. Um, Leeds had a big chance. Rodrigo had a shot from the edge of the box. I like, couldn't believe he's looked that he got front row seats to watch this. <laughs> <laughs> he just lets Rodrigo whip it by the post. And then Ramsey interception from a throw in. And he's he's driving it across the pitch to the right hand side. Stuart Atwell does his matrix impression, avoids it, he gets just gets down low, the ball goes over his chest. Uh Young feeds it through to Watkins. Melee was out quickly at that stage. I don't think Watkins really looked, but um it's, it's blocked and it's out for a corner. Yeah, it's a shame because it would have been a great goal. Everything's perfect up to the finish. The interception and crossfield ball from JJ, the incredible dummy from Atwell. I mean <laughs> At the end of the show, I'm sure you'll be tempted to put Atwell's yoga instructor up in the vitamin meter. <laughs> and then it's a lovely, it's a you know, underrated through ball from Young to feed yeah. Watkins through. And then Ollie Watkins is in it. <laughs> um, Douglas Louise. Douglas Louise is good today, I thought. He plays a, plays a nice ball through to Jacob Ramsey. It's, it's, it's bouncing for him and he just he just gets it with his studs, like hooks it, hooks it round. Like with the instep of his studs, it's, it's just a nice, nice technique from Dougie. Um, plays JJ through down the right, pulls it back for Bailey. It's sitting up for Bailey on his right. You expect more on his right, and he hits it straight at Bailey. And he couldn't, like, couldn't hit it more perfectly at the goalkeeper's chest. Well, that's it. Like, do you think Jacob Ramsey has given you the ball at the edge of the box for you to pass it to Bailey's belly button? Uh, I've been given fucking raspberries with more power behind them. <laughs> this could be the biggest one. Like we were talking about Ollie Watkins a lot here, but uh, your boy Jacob. Um, <laughs> he's trying to like look. We'll, we'll go through it. Like the chance of John again. John again played a good ball to him. Watkins gets taken out of it. Watkins holding the ball up gets absolutely clean. Stewart let it flow. At will lets it flow. <laughs> and, uh, yeah, again, bends this lovely ball over and around the defense. Like he tried it a few times. In fairness, so you know we can't give him too much credit for it. Like he eventually got it right, and he got it right on to the run of Jacob Ramsey, who tries to take it down on his chest. A ball that he's running away from. He's between two defenders. He's just in front of Melier. Like he has to just hit that first time, like with with whatever he can. I, I would have thought his head. Yeah, I'm, I scored a volleyed chest there a few weeks ago, and I'm I'm not trying to diminish it because it it was incredible and it drew gasps at the time, including from the opposition. I mean, I even got a <laughs> I even got a voice note about it a few hours later. 
<laughs> and Ramsey should have just done the same thing. I mean, he's a lot, he's a lot better at football than I am. And those little moments of genius, like you know, doing doing something different, that's what that's what catches keepers out. And I know JJ is at least as clever or slightly less clever than me. So he should have just fucking chested it into the net. <laughs> was I was I at this game or was it a game at another school? I wouldn't know anybody at it. <laughs> Yeah, so another skill two times over. Yeah. Uh, Coutinho off the inside of the post. I mean, it is a good cross from Leon Bailey. Leon Bailey's right foot <laughs> comes across the whole way around to Coutinho, volleys it off the inside of the post. I don't know if he could have done better. He is a bit unlucky. He's very, very close to going in. And then, oh, Jesus. What, Watkins, do, do you remember... Remember the overhead kick that Messi did? I think he scored from it, though, in fairness. But he's, he's on the ground. He's, he's overheading it. It's really nice what he's done. The ball's come about uh, a few inches off the ground anyway, and Messi's back to the goal, and he hooks it over his head, up over the keeper and into the net. But some of the Ronaldo Twitter fans got hold of this, and they were making comparisons of Ronaldo's overhead and Messi's one, you know, on the ground, and there was that tag, like, you know, he thinks he's Ronaldo. It was quite funny, like, if you're into that, uh, war on Twitter, which you know most people aren't, but anyway, um, <laughs> basically, if there was a rivalry between Watkins and Haaland, like this would, <laughs> this would be it. Like you know, Watkins thinks he's Haaland as he's strewn across the ground horizontal, and he goes for it, goes for a diving outside of the boot, right-footed shot, and he manages to pull it back behind <laughs> the, the the near post and. Ah, oh, it's crazy. Why, why didn't he have to stand up and hit that with his left foot? It was what was he thinking? Yeah, I I don't know, I, but I'd expect Harry Maguire and rollerblades to make less of a mess serving a bowl of soup than Watkins <laughs> made of that. I mean, it, it was pathetic. I, I can't I can't explain it. I have no idea what he was trying to do. We talked about the header being a brilliant clearance. Then this was fucking this was Franz Beckenbauer stuff then. <laughs> Um, and then the only other well Badia whips one around the top corner I mean the most dramatic thing about that was his reaction to it you know <laughs> it reminds me of every big chance that I've missed and you know even with my chest even moments of genius volleyed it off my chest and into the, well just, just wide of the post but I'd spend the rest of the post match telling everyone what a great fucking keeper that is you know for, for keeping this out or how unlucky it was or the wind caught it or whatever i mean when has a decent shot that goes wide and he's running the whole way across the pitch of his hands on his head his hands over his mouth like oh my god how did that not go in uh Kanza should score from douglas louise corner i think we're going to talk about that in the what the fuck award next and then Buendia plays a nice ball through to Watkins, the very one at the end that was the last straw for steven gerrard yeah, there was another one as well that Coutinho missed where Aileen's masks slipped. <laughs> That's what it looked like. And I mean, I don't mean figuratively because he just completely loses loses the ball and old man Young proves there's nothing wrong with his eyesight that he does brilliantly to knock it back towards Coutinho and Coutinho just fucking scuffs it and drags it wide. The, the big thing about tonight was was Holly Watkins. Like, well, what more can you say? He missed so many of the same chance. It's fucking amazing. I mean, even... Even through the law of averages, you'd expect something different to occur. You know, a scuff that catches everyone by surprise, yeah. kicking it under the ground and it bouncing over melee. Or, you know, we could have just expected our centre forward to show a bit of composure when he was one on one with fucking melee. I mean, inside the boxes where he lives, he should have he should have done better with at least one of those chances. He shouldn't have been so fucking uncomfortable in his own house. Yeah. Yeah. No, I'm talking about the Ramsey one there and like the the Watkins rebound from the Coutinho post. Like that's the 
that's the one though. Like of all the ones that should have scored, like, there, there you go. Like you've missed a couple of big chances. The the gods are with you today. Here's a here's a open net from four yards out. Put it away, son. Absolutely. The Peter Enkelman What the Fuck Award. <laughs> Let's talk about Melia. <laughs> <laughs> um not once, not twice, not three times. Well, actually, three times exactly. Comes for crosses, and I don't know what he's doing. The first one comes in from the left-hand side. He gets underneath it, you know, which is one thing. And then he doesn't react. He doesn't jump up in order to correct his mistake. He's just standing underneath it, waving his arms around. And there's just... And, like, there's no one around him either. Like, he's under no pressure. He sprints out too far for no reason. And then he can just jump up and catch that ball. And he doesn't. And... He's just not punished for it. I'll just go through them all, and then we can, we can pick them apart if you want. The second time, it was the actually young cross from the right-hand side when he put it straight back in when it came out. And this time, he does jump. But even with a jump, his arms aren't higher than walking his head. It's, I don't know how this is happening. He's actually jumped up. It looks like he's gotten off the ground, and his arms are still level with Watkins' hair. It's, it's fucking crazy. And, and then he tries to punch it. He misses it. <laughs> and by the way, this boy's six foot three. Like he is the least commanding keeper I've seen under any high ball. And the third time, like, you know, he tried not jumping. He tried jumping. So this time he comes out on his tiptoes and he flaps in another one and Kanza should score at the back post, really. That was a big chance for Villa. It's from the corner. Yeah, like the first one, yeah, he, he shouldn't come. But when he does come, he should fucking jump. Like he, he does a he does a little half skip like a self-conscious nine-year-old boy doing Irish dancing lessons. <laughs> The second one, he's throwing his arms at the ball like he's trying to catch a fruit fly. He doesn't want to hurt. And the one with Kanza, she'll score at the back post. And I think Kanza isn't expecting the ball to come all the way through to him. Have you not seen Melly play before? <laughs> I, I honestly don't think there's a worse keeper in the league. The amount of mistakes this lad gets through in a season. And even if it was just the mistakes he made in this game, it's too many for a season. Yeah. The, the one from the short corner that Dougie whips in, whips in his chest, unchallenged. And Melly... I'd say his fists move back towards his chest more than the ball move forward after he punched it. <laughs> and I'll tell you what, do you know the way Villa were crowding them out? And sometimes you think, oh yeah, they're targeting the keeper. They don't need to do that with him. Like it would actually be better to put him under less pressure, where like you know, have have less confusion of what's happening. Just put it up under Melier and see what happens because he's not going to catch it. So anything will happen then. So like, let him, like give him the opportunity to try and catch it and now see what happens, then react to what happens from that. <laughs> uh, Ezra Collins is nominated for the Peter Eichelman What the Fuck Award. Just checking to see if Emmy Martinez is still awake back there. Thankfully he was. Just playing him short for no reason. <laughs> uh, Bednarek fucking flirted with it as well. He got His pass got there, but his very first touch... That was fine, but like you know, he could have put a wee bit more on it. I thought um, Douglas Louise and Leon Bailey, or Leon Bailey, really in and off Douglas Louise, and then playing a three ball to the Leeds player as uh, nominated, and then oh Jesus, this one could actually win ahead of Bailey. Um, Leon Bailey, a good Leon Bailey cross on his right foot. No, it wasn't. It was on his left. He comes back on his left, and he's trying to find John McGinn, who's charging in at the left hand side of the box. Ollie Watkins gets in the way. <laughs> he controls it. Ollie Watkins gets in the way just to poke it out of play for a goal kick. <laughs> yeah, it starts with an amazing ball from Doggy as well, and it's a good spin by Bailey. And for one of the few times in his Villa career, he looks up, and it's a it's a delicious ball to the back post. But I don't really mind Watkins taking a touch that much. Now, bear in mind, at the time, I wasn't to know what was to come after that from <laughs> yeah. Ollie Watkins. 
but I'd prefer in in theory at least for my centre forward to take a touch and try to get a shot away than for John McGinn to try and catch that clean on the volley. Yeah, no, like I, I do agree. Like initially, I was like, "All right, John, you calm down," because you could see him complaining when Watkins takes a knee and he's waiting for it to come back down. And then, it, like, it very much was a "What the fuck? Like, what are you doing?" Like, he lets it come down and pokes it out. <laughs> it was a strange decision. And then the only other nomination is Emmy Martin. Is 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 Parry late on? Was the eighty eighth minute? Like, could have been a winner for Leeds it's from the Banford shot. He, he's very narrow. Like, he's even more narrow than Ollie Watkins. Just drills it across, and Emmy Martinez powers it down in front of the goal, and Ezra Conza gets in on Aronson to, to rescue the situation. Yeah, it, I think that's that's tough for for Martinez because it's he's so close to the near post, and when he gets a hand on it, it's probably going to come back out into the danger area, and he has to get something on it. I, I, I it's really hard to get that back. He's not going to get it all the way across his goals across the back post, and he's not going to be able to get it back out through the front post. It's a tough one. Yeah, well, the winner anyway is Miller. Well done. Um, do you like them? We didn't take a 90th minute penalty award. I mean, where do you start here? I think I want to start with how we ended up with two number 10s when Kanza and Young were our fullbacks. <laughs> I thinking like that really was a case of this boy doesn't know what he wants to do. Like, you know, it was, it's weird enough if you look at the average formation and you know, that can be skewed and whatever, but if you look at how we were setting up in the first half, Coutinho was very much playing inside as a number 10, which is his want. Watkins is playing as a striker, obviously. Bailey, like the three midfielders are narrow. <laughs> Interestingly, Douglas Luiz was ahead of Ramsey and uh, McGinn for most of the time, but like I say, he was fine. They didn't have much defending to do back there. And then Bailey is just stranded out on the right-hand side. It's like a funny formation. You put the yellow about Bertrand Terori back in the day. Here's the second time we're comparing him to Bertrand Terori. Um, and then he goes from that, which whatever that is, it's very imbalanced, especially when you've got a, a back forward that you said you don't want to go forward, especially when you've got John McGinn on the left, who doesn't seem to want to go forward for Villa that often. And then it ends up with two number 10s when... A centre back is on the right, and Ashley Young's on the left. Yeah, I, I can see why he brought on Bundy because at that stage Ramsey Ramsey had was too far forward, he was too far in, in advance of the game. But the answer there wasn't to bring off Ramsey; it was to bring off McGinn and put Ramsey back into midfield to get him running at the ball, running at the game again instead of having his back to it. But like, what what more can we really say about Gerrard's decision making? I mean, it's it's amazing we've made it this far into his tenure. Seeing as he has so few ideas, but maybe maybe it's just the silly things that he keeps doing that keeps us involved, keeps us intrigued. Oh, what's this nonsense? <laughs> like you know, I, I I can't. He just he just keeps switching to the to these formations regardless of what's happening on the pitch. And I felt really sorry for Konza today because Konza was trying his heart out and he was doing some interesting things from right yeah. back, but he can't go past the man. And that's exactly what you need whenever you're going to be playing with two number 10s. You need somebody who's going to be willing to gallop there. Kanza's touch was lovely. His passing was nice when he was there. But he was never going to try to beat a man down the wing. So it was fucking no. absolutely madness to have two number 10s. Yeah, uh, the second nomination is that you've mentioned it there is, is Ramsey coming off, um, not McGinn. I mean, like Ramsey was our best player in the first half by a distance. Like the amount of balls he won back as well, like the, the work rate that he went through, and then obviously the, the power and the attacking threat he was having in the other direction. Just, just if Ramsey's not, 
if, if Ramsey's drifting out of a second half, having had such a good first half, to just tweak something, like get him back into the game. Um, it, like you say, McGinn wasn't doing that well. McGinn did rescue our bacon with that block at the very end. Excellent, mm. excellent tackle. To like, we would have lost that game, so he deserves a bit of credit for that. Maybe that's why Jared kept him on to protect the the nil nil. Um, <laughs> well, we all know he wanted to frustrate Leeds, Conan. So John McGinn's <laughs> certainly the man to do that. He was frustrating me anyway. But yeah, like John, John McGinn did incredible. Like it's say he did quite well for that. It was an incredible block. It was brilliant. He like he, he reads it well, even though he's miles behind initially. He still sees that there's a danger there, and he fucking gets there as well, and he does his job brilliantly. For that yeah. Point. Yeah, no, he does. He does deserve credit there. Um, another nomination for the Ulick Glen Whedon Take Night have made a penalty award is 38 minutes to make an attack and change after Leeds went down to 10 men. And not just after they went down to 10 men, like after they went to a back five and they backed off completely. Like like I said, it was obvious that they suddenly lost interest in trying to score. They, they were basically, let's keep a clean sheet and if we get a chance, if we get an attack, great, that's a bonus. But they, they were just drifting back from that game now suddenly you could see the midfielders suddenly with the ability to turn these midfielders who are afraid to have a look for for large parts um they had all the space in the world that they wanted and you're touching on it there i mean when the uh should have come on yes but you know maybe not in the front three or maybe ramsey could have been moved there but they should have come on the midfield we didn't make an attacking change as much as getting an extra attacking body onto the pitch until the 82nd 83rd minute when when he brought Ings on and if we're, if we're going to do an Ashley Westwood award I mean there's your winner but it's, I'm, I'm conscious that we've mentioned Ings before when he is getting these just token minutes yeah absolutely yeah, you're right and whenever I was saying bring Ramsey back I wasn't shitting on McGinn as much as it might have sounded like or as much as my past might make people think that I was <laughs> yeah. it, it was just to get because Ramsey had gone too far forward because the game had gotten stretched that much as well into Leeds's half Ramsey had to had that knocked out of him and brought back a bit we had to have another creative player up there and Ramsey is in that type of game Ramsey is definitely a player you want more than John McGinn as well because Ramsey's more prepared to try intricate tricky balls he's more prepared to give it into people's feet and go get it back John McGinn's just going to be trying to play Hollywood passes against a flat back five it wasn't going to work yeah I'll tell you what other people want as well Cameron Archer um, I mean, this type of form, those missed chances, I suppose, as well. The lack of goals. I think we scored six goals this season, which is pathetic. Um, and we've got Archer not out and loan, which <laughs> becomes stranger by the week. Back in August, Gerard made the announcement, you know, of a very quotable line that he put out there. He said, we've made the decision. Cameron Archer is staying in the door. And it made everyone think, Oh my God, we can get excited about this boy. He's shown enough in preseason to to challenge now to to break into this team after going out on a, a successful, relatively successful loan spell. Um, fast forward to now, and Archer has played nine minutes, and he's lost his place in England's under twenty ones because of that. The team that he went in and banged in a shitload of goals in his first camp, and he's just gone stale now because he's he's not getting into the team. Um, I don't know. Like, is this is this a weird one to point out because we're not really showing much in terms of attacking movement anyway or breaking teams down. Yeah, like you said something there. He he's shown. We got excited because oh, like oh my god, he must have shown enough in preseason. Not only that, Danny Ings and Ollie Watkins haven't shown enough during the actual season either for Cameron Archer to only have had nine minutes. That's the big thing. It's 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 nowhere near enough. 
we've had a couple of games that we've just let drift by. I mean, we're 10 men tonight. Leads are hanging on. Why not throw them on? Why not give it a go? We know Danny Ings isn't going to work. Look, we've tried, we've yeah. tried this before. We know Ollie Watkins is having a stinker. Sometimes you have to take him off. The only thing you would say there is Ollie Watkins was getting a lot of chances, so he was doing half his job properly. But as Big Jack said to Ray Houghton, Conan, he's the only one missing the fucking chances. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. Um... Yeah, like that, it is. It would be more forgivable if Villa were in any sort of form where they were getting results back to back. They've won two games this season, so it's not like they're protecting leads and Archer just isn't getting in. And in that sense, like we need to try something. We need to get all our players onto the pitch. We're usually chasing matches. We're usually, you know, not ahead. Like very, very often for the majority of the time, we're not ahead in games that we should be ahead in. Um, and probably the biggest indictment of the regime at the minute is we're not chasing that early enough then as well. I mean, Stephen on Twitter got in touch to say, like, serious question, have have we worked for even an hour in training since Gerard arrived on attack and movement or breaking teams down? <laughs> Listen to the last 50 podcasts. <laughs> no. <laughs> have we worked in defensive movement as well? I would ask back to that as well. Um, yeah. All right, let's go to something a bit more cheerful, which is... The John Gregory, if I had a gun, I would have shot him, quote of the week. <laughs> I was listening to Ben Foster's channel the other day, the Fozcast. <laughs> Fuck me. And he had Matt Cash on. I have to say, Matt Cash, what what a great fella. Just seems like such a nice lad. Very likable. Um, loves, loves Elton John. Said his favorite song was Candle in the Wind. Uh, which I didn't expect. Like he went from Inbetweeners being his favourite show to Elton John, Candle in the Wind being his favourite song. He's a man after my own heart, I must say that. Um, but he just had a great quote in the middle of this, you know, great, great interview from the Foz. Um, <laughs> <laughs> like he was talking about fantasy football. Uh, he doesn't he doesn't play fantasy football, so he finds it really weird. People always get in touch with him on Twitter saying, what are you getting a yellow card for? <laughs> <laughs> um, he loves snooker. Like he, he's actually chatting there about joining Ben Foster's snooker club because he loves it and he's got no one to play with around uh, Birmingham um, <laughs> anyway so he's quote he said the more games you play you realise when you have a bad game you're low in a year's time no one's going to remember that are they so why would you get low just enjoy it get the head up and realise you're here for a reason <laughs> <laughs> fucking brilliant so true like they won't remember it if you if you do pick it up get the head up and go again and like there's the man there's the very man to ask yeah you should have fucking told me this is the start of the podcast i might have cheered me up so i wouldn't just fucking spitting <laughs> bollocks down the mic for the last 40 minutes yeah, yeah. next time you go on a rant i'm just going to say why would you get low just enjoy it. <laughs> it's just a game of football liam <laughs> just enjoy my cash is apparently back in full training on monday like it seems like he got a grade three hamstring tear, which is like one of the worst, and it would put you out for a long time generally. And he seems to heal very quickly. This is the second time it's happened, and he's been back on the pitch this week, and he's back to full training on Monday. So exactly what we're saying there about having to get past players, like there's uh there's an example of somebody we need back to be able to do that. Yeah, and you compare him to somebody like fucking Arrington today. Like we all we all like a fucking lazy Sunday afternoon. 
but he had more fucking breaks than Ronnie O'Sullivan. And the, 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 the worst thing about it was I was I was watching him enviously. Like, I would have loved to lie down during that game. But like I've said before, Conor, I'm a professional. I'll get fucking through this. Get off the fucking ground, you whinging little shit. <laughs> Let's do the vitamin meter going up. I Actually, I'm probably just has to go up at this stage for continuously shitting out these 90-minute performances. <laughs> looking, I'm still looking well able for it as well. Like he's, he's not dipping in any way. As you said, he played a really good ball through. He's doing well defensively. Yeah, that boy deserves another another uh, journey up the Vimeo meter. Played two positions again tonight. <laughs> yeah. Uh, I've got Ezra Kanze going up, even though he had the What the Fuck Award, and he probably had a chance that he, he should have been more alert to anyway with that Melier. I was going to say spill. He didn't get it. Um, I liked when he came over the top of Rodrigo. Rodrigo was standing waiting for his ball to come down, and he just jumped on his shoulders and headed a clear. It was a, uh, it was Mings esque, which in the current form of of Tyrone Mings, he should also be going up probably. Um, that's that's saying a lot for Ezra Kanza. Yeah, and fucking Rodrigo foiled him as well. Like he backs into him, but Ezra Kanza just pops back up. It was like Kanza lands in the small of his back. That could have been fucking sore, but he just pops straight back up like you want your centre halves to. Yeah, going up, Douglas Louise. Yeah, Douglas Louise was good today, but like you know, this is these are the type of games that Douglas Louise always looks good in the in the number in the number six position. Whenever you're playing against nothing, is there's never an issue. Yeah, um, trying to think of anybody else in particular. Jacob Ramsey, like it's sort of par for the course, really, in terms of how he played. Like he played well, which is what we come to expect. I well, did... that's what I come to expect, Conan. I mean, <laughs> you don't always seem to have been all that bought in on him, but anyway. <laughs> <laughs> I did have him going up initially um, with the I don't know why he's not going up anymore just with the it was, it was a different you know obviously we, we always get that impact from him going forward we always get that impact like I always say jeez <laughs> uh, the amount of ball like just the way he picked a lot of pockets coming from behind players well Leeds thought they were going to break away and like Ramsey's so fast and he's so good in his feet and he's so strong he was just barging people out of the way taking the ball and then going in the other direction again it was like he was playing at an age group below him which I don't know if you saw his highlights either from the England under 21 game like he, he looked like Jack Grealish playing at that level which is really what you want to start seeing now I suppose because like, yeah, that's, a, that's a level beneath him ah yeah like and Jacob Ramsey's way is ahead of Jack Grealish Jack, Jack Grealish wasn't this good when he was 21 yeah Look, I'm not going to talk. We'll say that for Thursday's podcast. We'll talk <laughs> um, going down, Ollie Watkins. Going down, Philip Coutinho. Um, I'll tell you why. Because I'm seeing every time, every time during the week, I see these clips of Philip Coutinho whipping the ball into that top right corner, which he still hasn't done yet for Aston Villa. And then he gets the chance today. I don't know if you remember. I had it initially down as a Rossenthal Award, but it was, it was just such a pathetic effort. It just dragged it low and pathetically into the center of the goal and Melier dropped on it <laughs> he probably dropped it as well um yeah but like it's really annoying because he's been here now like it's it's coming up in what is it nine months maybe and he still hasn't done it I mean Barcelona spent 140 million on, quid on him because that's what he did that's what he did for a living he just caught inside and whipped the ball into the top yeah. corner you'd think he would do it once for us yeah like it was supposed to be it doesn't matter like what he's not doing physically or it doesn't matter how badly he's playing. If he gets the ball in that area, he puts it into the top right corner. What's what's going on? What's the problem? <laughs> uh, going down, Steven Gerrard and the coaching team. Austin McPhee, you don't know where he's gone. Um, he's gone to Austin, Scotland. Yeah, he's, he's, gone. <laughs> he's, he's definitely fucking going down. Jesus Christ. I mean, 
I the, the first set piece we had, I was just thinking, ah, fuck this. Let's just start crossing it in again. Sack that asshole. <laughs> like, I, I normally leave the, the big Sam or the Tony Pulis chat to you, but at this stage, I was just thinking, just toss it in there. And that free kick that we rolled rolled across to Young for him to dink towards Mings, who's making a 40-yard run from the position the free kick was originally in. What a load of shite. Like if you're, if you're going to try to shift the angle, you know, catch a team out, then move the ball quickly and move it cleverly, subtly. If you're trying to catch a team out by asking Tyrone Mings, the most visible footballer in the league, to go charging into the box from the halfway line, then you need your fucking head examined. <laughs> so you're after McPhee more than Gerrard today? I think I started the first half of the show talking about Gerrard. Yes. Yeah implied that he's going down yeah um yeah i'm getting a few texts from leeds fans as well saying going down aston villa <laughs> <laughs> thing is like, and we can talk about this till the cows come home the players are still good enough to not go down so we should should be all right <laughs> questions we can't answer but probably will can you believe that Larice is still spurs captain <laughs> Sorry, can you believe that Larice is still Spurs goalkeeper? <laughs> yeah, I mean, I, I was only looking this up a while ago because he had made a howler, obviously, and and then I discovered that his ma is a lawyer and his his dad is a is a Monte Carlo based banker. So I don't exactly think we would have to need to run a, a Monte Carlo simulation thirty five years ago to to figure out if Hugo would grow up with a certain degree of confidence or an entitlement, even. A certain error that might convince a manager that yeah. he's captain material because it couldn't possibly be based on the inspirational performances he puts in week <laughs> after week. I mean, my God, he makes a lot of mistakes. Despite his best efforts over the last years, I still don't think De Gea has even caught up with him. <laughs> he's obviously still behind Melier. And and maybe maybe a bit of the old subjugation syndrome has leaked into football analysis as well because you know we can't slag off our betters. He doesn't... He's he's not good with his feet even, but he never gets talked about. He yeah. never gets talked about the, the same way that Ramsdale or Pickford do, even even though they're protected species, they still get slagged off more than him. He actually gets put into that pantheon of new breed of goalkeepers like Allison and Ederson. And I and I sometimes ask myself, is it easier just to be harsher on goalkeepers? Like not just because of the consequences of their mistakes, but also because we haven't a fucking clue what we're talking about. <laughs> but then I realize whenever Whenever we're doing the Peter Enkelman What the Fuck Award, it's it's all inclusive, Conan. We don't we don't stick to just goalkeepers. We also include <laughs> yeah. like Tyrone Mings is a, the custodian of that award for God's sake. <laughs> yeah. So it couldn't possibly be that it must just be that Hugo Lloris is an absolute clown. <laughs> and this is it. Like he's at a club who have just signed Fraser Forster and put him on the bench. Um, the you know he's at a club where Harry Kane is playing and he's not the captain. And it's it is like he's automatically put into that category. I tell you why, because he's a World Cup winner. Like that's the thing. Then it gets said, but you're right to talk about the protected species syndrome because like Paul Pogba would get that as a defense sometimes, but he doesn't automatically get put into a realm because he's a World Cup winner. Paul Pogba, it's a field day on him most weeks, and for good reason, obviously. <laughs> But whenever you do see people like Hugo Lloris, you, you, you do end up thinking, how bad are second-choice goalkeepers? Yeah. As a general rule, that this guy is the best goalkeeper that France has produced. It's insane. <laughs> or that, you know, the fourth-best team in the country can afford to have. 
It's madness. Yeah. Last one, questions we can't answer here. Let's see if you can answer this. Uh, what was worse? Me taking... <laughs> You're not going to like this. <laughs> Me taking the captaincy off Haaland and my fantasy football team and giving it, <laughs> giving it to fucking Mo Salah, the sideline merchant who decided to get paint on his shoes for the whole season, standing out there, doing nothing. Or me putting a bet, an actual real money bet, on the Man City Man United game, nil nil. <laughs> <laughs> Jesus Christ, that's tough. That's, well, they're both obviously really, really linked as well because... The fact that that game was never going to be nil all. Like, you're having a fucking laugh. That was never going to be nil all. And the fact that the reason it wasn't going to be nil all, or a large part of the reason it wasn't going to be nil all, was fucking Erling Haaland. What did he get today? Three goals and two assists? I don't want to talk about it. I don't want to. <laughs> <laughs> And the only reason I moved... And it... you know what, Conor? What's surprising here is I wouldn't mind talking about your fantasy football team this week. <laughs> the only reason I moved it is because... The vast, I'd say, I'd say more than half the people now not only have Haaland, the like players on fantasy football, they, they have him as captain. And I thought, oh, this this could be a really good one now, a good differential for me. Like, I'm going to put it on to Salah. Liverpool literally haven't played in four weeks. Like, how how bad can they still be? They're playing, they're playing Brighton at home. Brighton's new manager doesn't know fuck all about our game, according to Graham Sunas and TalkSport. So, <laughs> I, have, I have all the information. Ten Hag's new ball, like new Ten Hag ball, is all about just restricting teams and hitting them on the brick. Marcus Rashford won Player of the Month for retrieving balls before they go to play. Like this is <laughs> <laughs> this is the new setup, the new era at Man United. Martinez, I was told on Twitter, had already frustrated Haaland. There's <laughs> 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 a game against Ajax and Borussia Dortmund. Kept him to nothing. Zero goals, zero assists. So I took the captaincy off him, put it on to Salah. Salah doesn't score again. Gets one assist, gets me ten points for a double up, and I haven't even looked. I'm not. I'm not going to go on this week now to look at what Haaland's gotten and how I've missed out on double the points when everybody else got it. The funny thing is, Erda, you actually thought you were explaining yourself there, but that was just the fucking ravens of a madman. <laughs> <laughs> and I've just spent an hour in this podcast slagging Stephen Gerrard to death. <laughs> and talk about overthinking it. Uh, we're not back, thankfully, until Monday. So we've got eight days of peace. Now we can just watch all their teams. Whoever decided to like heads up, we're going to have something on WhatsApp windows or the Vimon meter for whoever the fuck decided to put Nottingham Forest via Aston Villa on a Monday night. Um, <laughs> why your Sky continuously giving Aston Villa money to show their games? It's it's bonkers. Like that that's really strange. Um, but that's something we've all got to look forward to. And, uh, yeah. So enjoy the break. Enjoy another lifeless match and uh, hope you enjoy the fallout it's going to be crazy out there online and wherever else you get your media until then see you later and thanks a million for listening all the best hey it's Paige DeSorbo from Giggly Squad high quality fashion without the price tag say hello to Quince I'm snagging high end essentials like cozy cashmere sweaters sleek leather jackets fine jewelry and so much more with Quince being 50 to 80% less than similar brands and they partner with factories that prioritize safe ethical and responsible manufacturing I love that 
Luxury quality within reach. Go to quince.com slash style to get free shipping and 365 day returns on your next order. Quince.com slash style. Mom deserves the best, and there's no better place to shop for Mother's Day than Whole Foods Market. They're your destination for unbeatable savings. From premium gifts to show-stopping flowers and irresistible desserts, start by saving 33% with Prime on all body care and candles. Then get a 15-stem bunch of tulips for just $9.99 each with Prime. Round out Mom's menu with festive rosé, irresistible berry chantilly cake, and more special treats. Come celebrate Mother's Day at Whole Foods Market. Hey, it's Paige DeSorbo from Giggly Squad. High-quality fashion without the price tag. Say hello to Quince. I'm snagging high-end essentials like cozy cashmere sweaters, sleek leather jackets, fine jewelry, and so much more. With Quince being 50 to 80% less than similar brands. And they partner with factories that prioritize safe, ethical, and responsible manufacturing. I love that. Luxury quality within reach. Go to quince.com slash style to get free shipping and 365 day returns on your next order. Quince.com slash style.